Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fifth season, we are looking at Joe Johnston's 2011 film Captain America, The First Avenger. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. I'm Pete Wright, and there are a lot of me in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Today we're talking about Minute 119, which begins with best boy electric Kevin Edland and ends with supervising painter Lee Shelley. Back on the show. Hey, look at that. Tommy's still here. Tommy! Hey, I've been here the whole time. (laughs) Yep. I was hiding in between 118 and 119. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hi, it's a pleasure to be back uh, and spend this entire week with you. Big day for you today. Mm -hmm. Big day. That's right. Uh, We're still in the credits. We're starting with the, the electrics and the grip. Uh, commonly just called the genie department. Uh, then we go into locations, costume, set decoration, makeup and hair, special effects, casting, publicity, the PAs, the production assistants. And that's the point where the song actually ends. And we jump back to Alan Silvestri's score. Then we do assistants, security, construction, and painters. Tommy. Hello. You were an assistant once. I was an assistant for two different companies when I moved to, I mean, not at the same time. That would have been weird. Not in today's economy. Am I right? Nah. <laughs> am I right? Side hustle Uber. Uh, but so I was for John Woo's company. And before that, uh, I was for Ed Zwick and Marshall Herskovitz. So I, I, that's like, if you go to my IMDb page, other than stuff that I've made, I've been assistants all up and down the block. Generally, I come in when the company is at their peak. And then you see it slowly <laughs> decline because <laughs> I like for John Wu, I came in as MI2 was rapping uh, and I left after Wind Talkers and Bulletproof Monk. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Let me just tell you that those film premiere parties got sadder and sadder <laughs> as they went <laughs> because MI2 was the craziest premiere party I've ever been to. It was and and at the premiere Metallica party there. for Bulletproof Monk, were there doves? <laughs> no, but uh, Rizzo was there and Quentin Tarantino did show up. Quentin Tarantino wow. went to all of anything that John was slightly related to. Oh, interesting. Was Stratton yep. Leopold there? Uh, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just giving out sodas to everybody. He had a weirdo. <laughs> he, he had his whole soda jerk counter lined up right there so he yep. could pull the can, pull the drinks for people. Can you That's talk awesome. just a little bit briefly about what it is that you did as an assistant when you were when you wore that particular badge? Yeah, I guess you would say I was um, a. I started as a PA, and then I moved up to like an executive assistant, and then I was the, at John Wu's company. I was an assistant to the senior vice president and the executive vice president, uh, two women who uh, sort of ran the whole development department of John Wu's company, Lion Rock Productions. So what I would do is roll all their calls and live their lives for them, but then do a lot like write coverage and read a lot of scripts. I was uh, a big script. And after a while, we developed like pretty quickly, which was nice, a shorthand where I didn't have to really write out coverage. I could just be like, here's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't going to work and stuff. Um, and it was interesting because it was so diametrically opposed to the scripts we were getting uh, at uh, Ed Zwick and Marshall Herskovitz because that was right when we were do- they were doing the TV show once and again, which was all about relationships and stuff. And then I moved over to uh, MI2 and Mr. Zwick thought that was a funny move. I'll bet he did. I'll bet he got a real chuckle out of <laughs> yeah. that. Do you what? Do you, any yeah. notable <laughs> scripts that you uh, read and um, uh, that that we need to have seen that you notoriously passed on for the yeah. company that went on to make millions? Okay, somewhere else? I didn't say it like that. <laughs> well, Andy, I'm trying to be a little bit more glass half full, <laughs> but 
I did almost get in trouble at one point because I passed on the Brothers Grimm, which was later picked up by mm-hmm. Terry Gilliam yep. and had Matt Damon and yeah. Heath Ledger in it. Luckily, it was a bust. <laughs> um, because that's the big thing that they always tell you is you have to be really careful about saying yes. Yeah. The right, no's right. have to really, because if you say yes, then they have to read it and do stuff and you're taking up their time. But no, I saw a bunch of interesting scripts famously when I first started working as just an intern. I wasn't even a production assistant yet at um, uh, Bedford Falls, Marshall Herskovitz. And uh, my sort of higher up was named A.J. Marcatonio, a great guy. He was a creative development and he gave me a script and he said i want you to read this and it was like the real first script that i'd read he was like and just let me know what you think and i read it um and i hated it (laughs) and i was like oh this is a this is a trick i hated it and here's the reasons why there was very graphic sexualization of different kinds of things there was it was bloody it was weird there was a pov that didn't make any sense and so i gave him that entire like i wrote it up and said here's all the problems with it so how'd i do (laughs) <laughs> the script was American Beauty written by Alan Ball three days beforehand Spielberg had famously locked Alan Ball not in a creepy way but in his office saying you cannot leave DreamWorks is making this movie we're going to sit here until we make it work and I said Our pass! <laughs> so I'm bad at my job but to be honest there was a lot of different things in the movie that original draft was very different uh, they replaced it all with a and, bag blowing in the wind. <laughs> right. And all of the stuff that I found problematic and pointed out, they ended up taking out. Oh. Like it's not in the final movie. But I wasn't, my brain hadn't evolved to a, if you get rid of this stuff, then you can see everything. I took it as a binary. This has to yeah, be the final right. package. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And so it took me a while to go over that. So that was really embarrassing. <laughs> <the end. laughs> but you didn't lose your job over it. So that's important. I did not that's lose important. my job over it. No. Well, it is interesting looking at career trajectories for assistants, because sometimes you look at the assistants, and you're like, has this person been like, you know, the person who's been with this person for decades and is always their right hand man yep. or right hand woman or right hand person? Or is it somebody and this is a stepping stone? And I always think that's interesting because like Trin Tran, who is in this film credited as the assistant to uh, Mr. D'Esposito, Louis D'Esposito, um, she started actually with Monster House. Uh, she started in the post department. Uh, actually, I take, yeah, post production assistant on Monster House. Huh. And then she went on to be an editorial production assistant on Alien vs. Predator Requiem. Then she started as an assistant on Iron Man for Mr. Finnick and Mr. Davis. And then the Incredible Hulk, same pair. Iron Man 2, this is where she started working with Mr. D'Esposito and Thor and here. And uh, then uh, the Avengers. And then Captain America, the Winter Soldier. She becomes a creative executive. And then she becomes an associate producer also. And then now she's working as an executive producer. She was an EP on Infinity War, Endgame, and the TV show Hawkeye. Wow. So there's an interesting career trajectory for somebody mm-hmm. who's starting as a post-production assistant, uh, you know, uh, 15 years earlier. That's fascinating. I, yeah. I always find it interesting really to see. Interesting. That's cool to find that path. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I mean, that's, they don't all go that route right um but it is interesting to kind of look at them to see um you know how they how they maneuver through the field Mm -hmm. so um all right well uh any particular things that either of you want to talk about with this group of listings i know special effects we have here is obviously important 
the PAs always give a shout out to the PAs because they are the people who are doing all the crappiest work on the set. I need to know what a video playback operator is. Is that just the person who uh, runs like the video village? Video right? village. Yeah, yeah, video village. Yep. Yes. Yep. They are the person who. Uh, yeah. There's a, usually a tap into the camera. Well, uh, and it and it feeds into a some. All sorts of monitors that are in all sorts of places on sets these days, and different people are watching them, and they are generally recording it and uh, able to play it back for you. It's playback. That it's right there in the name. They are there, allowing the producers, the directors, the actors, whoever it is, to look at how the takes went, uh, which is so much easier these days than it was uh, back in the day when you really didn't have that option. You know who came up with it, and probably it's a very well-known story. So maybe I shouldn't. Who first like designed that? No, Jerry Lewis. Jerry oh, Lewis. Really? I I do think yeah. I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. He developed. He was the first one like on his sets to be able to like rewatch a take right then to see how it went. Fascinating. Which I guess makes sense for the comedy and just yeah. especially since he was directing a lot of his stuff, he wanted to see how did that play. Like, am I am I landing the joke or not? Hmm. Right. I why I pause is because I almost had Jerry Lee. That's Lewis. very different. That's a very, <laughs> that's a very different role. <laughs> I really yeah. wanted to see how my performances went. <laughs> well, I just think that's really interesting. It's a useful thing to have, you know, all the video playback tools and, and it's all fantastic. It seems like something I could just really sink my teeth into. Lots of plugging stuff into things and like running cable to other things. Uh, but so challenging. Like that's got to be like incredibly Incredibly frustrating. I don't know why I can't get this. Did you change the channel to three? Is it on channel three? Like, that's the kind of thing that I would get. Yeah. <laughs> Just constantly, constantly input. pushing input. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think some of the challenge with the, the people in playback is is dealing with some of the people who generally are always hanging out in playback because there mm -hmm. are there are definitely certain people who spend a lot of time in there. Um, like I mean, certain producers and stuff or, or associate producers or people who might feel they have more creative control than they really do who are in there and they're making a lot of judgment calls and, and saying a lot of things and you're just having to kind of bite your lip and just not say anything and just mm -hmm. do your job. Mm -hmm. Sounds great. Not to judge. <laughs> Not to judge, yes. <laughs> um, all right. Nicknames. We have two nicknames. Two nicknames in this set of credits. Uh, one of them is uh, one that you uh, mentioned briefly yesterday, Tommy. It is, is that Giza? It is. It, no, no. So, Pete, you're already, you're already looking oh, to, I'm too far. <laughs> charge hand electrician Mark Evans. His nickname is Giffer. Giffer. I thought it was Giffer the Gaffer, but I was wrong. Not Gipper, but Giffer. But right above him is the Gaffer, and I desperately <laughs> wish he was the Gaffer Giffer. <laughs> Gifford, Gifford the Gaffer? And he's a real grifter. I I wonder if they called him that because there's the Gaffer and there's the Giffer. Like, I, I want to say that there's some play because then the best boy Grip, Gary Smith, goes by Giza. Yeah. So you've got the Gaffer, Giffer, and Giza. Yep. Yeah. I want a picture of the three of them together. <laughs> do you think, I mean, I, like, who, who do you think the first one on any set with Mark Evans is to make a, hey, can you just do one more for the Giffer? That's a thing. That's got it. Somebody's got to do that, right? Somebody has to. Somebody's do that. nobody does that anymore. I'm too old. God, I'm old. <laughs> uh, we have a few people who uh, have three names, uh, starting with costume breakdown artist Wei Chiang Liang, uh, costume maker Yan Fen Chen, and another costume maker Sally Ann Dixie and Chan Chi Wan, and then a production buyer Nicola De Fres Fresnes. 
I don't know how you say that name. Is that a, is that Italian or a, a French Pete? Is that am I saying that fre- Frenet? Probably, but do I don't. That? I'm not even looking at what you're looking at. I'm not even on that tab. Oh. I'm looking at the credits. It's, Where are oh. you? It's, hey, it's production oh, no. by it's it's F R E S N E S Fresca. It's like Fresno with an E S <laughs> on the end. I think it's Frenet. Fresnes. I think it. I think Frenet. it is. Yeah. Or yeah. Nicola de Frenet. We'll just go with. Yeah. All right. I'm terrible with some of these. <laughs> Uh, then we have a few people who have hyphenates. Uh, we have assistant location manager Rob Campbell Bell, costume breakdown artist Beryl Ann Cohen, costume maker Vonnie Myrick Brook, trainee costume maker Marianne Elgard Benson, special effects technician Dominic Muburn Crook, U.S. casting associate Leslie Ann Reel, and the assistant to Mr. Jones, Daniel Conrad Cooper. I had a thing. Uh, it's going to be a gear change. And I know you. Oh, no. Okay. I want to talk about. Change I it. want to talk about. Uh, I just seems like there's a string of O names, like Irish names. There are a lot of O's, mm-hmm. and I'm curious They'll if work. we looked at how many O's there are on set. How many <laughs> O apostrophes? Oh, <laughs> apostrophe. Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to oh, be an apostrophe. O apostrophe. Did you look at that? Uh, I can I, tell you. I mean, I can tell you. I've discovered how you've been doing this. A lot. You did. How did you? Oh, well, how? I don't know if, how you've been doing, it, but I have a everything. method now to my. I've discovered it. Okay, we'll see if our numbers match up. Okay, I'm going to say. Oh, can I guess? Oh, apostrophe. You uh-huh. can guess. Twenty-two. Andy, would you like to guess what my number is? Uh, well, I'm curious if our, uh, ours are the same. Okay. So let's just say them at the same okay. time. Okay, ready? Three, yeah. two, two, one, thirty-four. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. okay. I, I actually did some real-time calculation because I just did a, a, a command F on the IMDb full credits page. But then I ah, realized sure, in, sure. in in real time that some of them are like, oh, Seamus O'Shaughnessy listed as blank, blank, O oh, blank. Right. And so you'll have like, right. the, it's on there twice, but it's Double only dipping. one person. So I try. Yep. It's a, it shows yeah, up as 43 right, right. matches on the, the page, but I thought maybe there were three. So I, I think your number is probably better. Is what I'm saying. You're better. You're a better person. It could be. <laughs> I, mine, mine may be doing the exact same thing, but for some reason I only have 34. Okay. So I'm not exactly sure. Uh, I don't know. Who knows? But somehow there are a lot of people with O blank. There are a lot of O apostrophes. Yeah. Yeah. Like Darren O'Connell and Carolyn O'Reilly. And they're right in line together. All the O's are right together. Tracy O'Brien. Susie Redfern credited as Susie O'Sullivan. Yeah. Fascinating. A lot of these. Fascinating. Lot of these. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, a few other people that uh, fitting names or not, there was a, a grip whose name was Paul Hymns, H-Y-M-N-S. And I just felt like he needed oh, to actually yeah. be working on the songs. Yeah. Yep. We had location unit manager Duncan Broadfoot. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. All Very those locations. Solid. And carpenter Martin Hammerton. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Like ah, good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, that's that's everything I have for today's minute. Unless either of you have anything else with any of these wonderful, wonderful names. Yeah, lots of costumes though, and they feel like we need to just shout out how good the costumes are in this because this is all the costumers, the costumers and costume makers and and milliners and storemen, and that's a lot gangsmen. of practical damage that they're doing yeah. to those costumes and all of those yeah. fight scenes. 
Yeah, absolutely. A lot of work. Plus, I mean, just like sculpting the different parts to go onto them because so many of those things are, um, you know, so specific for superhero yeah. costumes. So that takes a lot right. of work. Right, right, right. Yep. Absolutely. Good All stuff. Right. All right. Tommy, tell everybody again <laughs> where to go see your movie. <laughs> Please go to 2 tubi It's a thing. And the movie's called 30 Nights, and it's a romantic comedy that's a little body, and we hope you like it. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. This might be my favorite minute. (laughs) (laughs) They only get better from here. They only get better from here. All right. uh, Well, that's it for today. We'll be back tomorrow to close out the week with Minute 120. Pete, thanks as always. Roy Thomas was also in this movie. Oh. I know Roy. (laughs) Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Spread the News by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm, and if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for this show.